How do you do, fellow kids, and welcome to Reskinned. This is a brand new recap podcast all about the British TV series Skins. That would be the star-studded and scandalous teen drama phenomenon of the late 2000s. Uh, that's not what it says in my notes, but uh, we'll keep going. I'm Michael Lee Richardson. And I'm Callum Sinclair. Uh, and this week we'll be talking about the very first episode of Skins, which is called Tony. Tony. Oh, that was quite nice. Um, and we were also, um, for the listeners, I know people don't like to hear like sort of food being eaten and drinks being poured on a podcast, but uh, to those people I say, get a life. Um, we'll be enjoying some uh, sort of skins, skins friendly yeah. beverages. Reliving our teenage years by drinking uh, WKD Dark fruit flavour. Are you aware of dark fruits Twitter as a thing? No. As a, it's like the counterpoint to Fiat 500 Twitter. Dark fruits Twitter is like... Both of those references just went over my head. <laughs> I'm, I'm like new to Twitter. Definitely so worth a look at. Um, dark fruits Twitter is like all the boys that would be kind of underneath uh, Liam Gallagher's posts okay. with the kind of notice me daddy vibe about them. Okay. Um, Definitely worth a look at. I think if they were doing skins now, there would definitely be some Fiat 500 and Dark Fruits uh, discourse in there. So this episode was written by Brian Elsley, uh, who at this point would have been best known for adapting The Crow Road, Alistair Gray's novel all about Glasgow, uh, and for his own series, The Young Person's Guide to Being a Rockstar. Um, and Skins was based on an idea that uh, Brian Elsley had with his son, Jamie Britton, uh, do you do you know the story of how son, uh, how sons how his son came into fruition how skins came into fruition? Yeah, it, something vaguely about so Jamie Britton, who is Brian Elsley's son, um, it also wrote a few episodes I think of Skins Quite further down the run. Yeah, I think he was a kind of teenager at the at the time, and I think he kind of had a, some kind of conversation with his dad where he said, you know, the television landscape at the moment doesn't really reflect the actual lives of teenagers I know and there's a, a real appetite for, for something that's a little bit more edgy and uh, you know kind of dynamic. One of the things that I really like about Skins is that it was put together in a, a way that's very different to the way TV sh shows were put together at the time and the way they'd be put together now. It was almost like a writer's room but um, we don't really have writer's rooms in the UK and we certainly didn't then. Um, but it was kind of a, a room put together of young people, young collaborators, young uh, theatre writers and directors, comedians. Uh, Josie Long and Robin Ince were involved somewhere along the way. Um, and they kind of created the storylines for the series from the conversations they were having in the room and, and the things they were talking about so that it really reflected um, young people's lives at the time. It's, you know, really exciting way of making television, I think. Before we go into the first episode, um, would you like to answer the question, do you like Skins? Um, do I like Skins? Uh, the thing about Skins is that even at the time when I was watching it, I knew that it was flawed. There was a lot about it that rubbed me up the wrong way, but there was so much about it that was unique and was interesting and genuinely reflective of of you know how it felt to be a young person at that time because I was I was I mean we were both in our early 20s when Skins first did the game it? away oh, yeah. <laughs> but yeah there were things that I kind of related to in Skins that I, I 
couldn't really find in other teen dramas at the time. And the fact that so many um, real luminaries of, you know, people that would go on to be like really major stars from Dev Patel and Nicholas Holt, but also the writers really, it was a launch pad for a lot of great talent. Um, I am a writer for film and television, uh, and I always tell people that I wouldn't be a writer if it wasn't for Skins. I don't think it gets the respect it deserves because it was telly for young people. I always say that like Skins, Shameless and Queer as Folk were the series that sort of brought me to television and made me realise that there were there was a sort of market and an appetite for the, the stories that I wanted to tell and that people would be interested in those stories. Um, and I thought, I just remember feeling at the time like, you know, there's a lot in Skins that maybe is flawed. I think, you know, there's a temptation to say that it's dated, but uh, that it hasn't aged well. But I think things that reflect the time they were made mm. in, they should be dated and they sh- you know they should mm. age badly because they should feel like that time and skins just really really feels of the time it was made and there are some outfits and there are some outfits <laughs> which we will talk about later i think so this episode tony starts in tony's house uh, and it starts with this brilliant sort of quintessential skins shot of Tony in bed with this kind of iconic bedspread, which has a naked man and a naked woman's outline on it. And I think there's something in that, the kind of funniness and the sauciness and the silliness of it that is just so encapsulates what Skins is and what it will go on to be. Yeah, I think that the structure of Skins episodes, that each each one focuses on mm-hmm. a viewpoint character, and the fact that they chose Tony of the ensemble to start off with is, is particularly interesting. And as we find out more about Tony's character through the episode, uh, we'll, we'll chat about that a bit more, but the fact is that Nicholas Holt, uh, who was cast as, as Tony, was best known at the time for um, being you know, the, the young boy in about a boy with Hugh Grant, with the yeah, fringe with the, <laughs> with the fringe and the eyebrows. That was kind of you know what people associated him with at the time. So kicking off the series with him playing quite a devious Machiavellian character was uh, was an interesting choice. So the episode opens with Tony kind of perving on a lady across the road. Um, who is getting changed in front of her window uh, and she's kind of perving on him and he's perving on her. Uh, and then we see Effie, iconic character, Tony's little sister, walking up the road on her way home from a night out. Effie is, I think, supposed to be 15. Yeah, something like that. She's definitely she's, she's still younger. at school, yeah. um, so she's younger than Tony. And then Tony goes on to kind of protect Effie from his his mum and dad, finding out that she was out the night before. Um, and the fact, I like the kind of fact that Tony is a good brother. It's one of his, his mm-hmm. saving graces as a character, and one of his kind of quite interesting, defining character traits, I think. Mm-hmm. And I like that that whole exchange also tells us a lot about Effie as well. The fact that she's sort of slinking home from this night out and all she does is kind of give Tony like a signal and he knows exactly what to do, turns the music up so that he uh, he, he upsets his, his blustering, swearing father played by Harry Enfield. Harry Enfield. Lots of the Skins parents are played by like comics and character actors who were big in the 90s, which I think is an interesting... Mm-hmm. 
uh, road to go down. I think it's cool, though. <laughs> I mean, I think it's um, it is a bit of a kind of one, you know, something for the parents idea. But I think it also, you know, with some of the the actor kind of matchups with which established actors are, are playing the parents and who's playing the children, it kind of creates a little bit of a intertextual sort of thing in a few cases. Yeah, I think so. Actually, that's probably right. I sort of lost track of what you were saying there because I became so obsessed with the fact that Tony in this scene plays this this he turns his music up really loud um so that his dad will come in and shout at him so his sister can kind of sneak in uh the front door um and he has like a death metal cd in his cd player which like i i wrote down notes of like why does he own this um and then i wrote down what kind of music would tony actually like because my sort of thing about Tony, or my theory about Tony, is that he's a sociopath. Mm. And <laughs> I know it's problematic to talk about sociopaths and people don't like like diagnosing people as sociopaths. But let's put the caveat on this one that Tony is a made-up character that doesn't exist. So I can say if he's a sociopath if I want to. Uh, and I've had a couple of glasses of dark fruit WKD now. So, you know, <laughs> I don't really know what I'm talking about anyway. But... I think Tony is a sociopath. What makes you say that? Well, there's lots of things that he does throughout the episodes, but one of the first signs of sociopathy, I'm not sure that this is in the the big sort of list of how to spot a sociopath, but um, he goes into the bathroom where he's reading John Paul Sartre, um, which I'm sure is relevant um, and I do have an English degree, but I don't know why it's relevant. He goes into the bathroom, locks the door, and then jumps out of the window so that his dad's locked out of the bathroom and he just kind of winds him up. Harry Enfield spends a good sort of 10 minutes of this episode just shouting, uh, and it is quite hard to take in. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, that's one of the things that, you know, when I even when I was watching it the first time, I thought this is a little bit much. There's, there's a lot of shouting and swearing. Well, his one of his lines I wrote down here was "sodding, fucking, bollocking, shit wank," which just and then I wrote down "awful, I hate this" because yeah. that is the sort of thing I really don't like. But I think Tony is proof that you don't need to like a character to find them compelling or to want to watch them. And I do think there's something quite interesting and maybe quite brave about that because everything he does, almost everything he does in this episode, is absolutely awful. Mm -hmm. I think he's almost like a deconstruction of the main character of like a, a sort of young adult show or a teen show or a teen movie. Mm. Um, well, yeah, I think it's, yeah, it's kind of, I think that he's more of a deconstruction of the idea of what kids think is, or kids at the time thought was cool. He, he's kind of posited as like, you know, this is our main character, this is the first character that we meet in the series, and da, 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 da. There's another character who is really the sort of protagonist of this whole episode and who goes through the arc, um, whereas Tony just sort of glides through the episode. Um, That's interesting. I hadn't really picked up on that, but I think you might be right. Mm. Our next scene is Tony on the phone, um, come through Motorola, like mm -hmm. lots of... Um, Motorola flip phones in this episode, which just feels very 2007. Um, and I do have to point out that at various points in this scene, Tony is on hold to Michelle, Jal, Sid, Chris, Anwar, and Maxi. Uh, and we just didn't have that technology in 2007, so I don't know quite what era Tony was supposed to be living in. Uh, they were in 2007, he was in 3007, I think. <laughs> 
Um, what have you got to say about this scene? Yeah, this scene is also a lot. It's a lot to take in. Um, and I think, again, with hindsight, that you know, we can see what Tony really is and what you know what they were going for with Tony but the fact that his toxic masculinity is just on absolute full pelt like throughout the conversation with Michelle for instance like who he calls nips because she's got funny nipples yeah and he's just he's just he's obviously just disgusting yeah just a, a, a nasty piece of work and he kind of negs her and he oh god I think Tony's read the game oh probably your favorite is problematic PUA. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm glad as well that um, Jal sort of calls him out on it in yes, that scene as well, too. so I'm, that's good. I really like Jal. There's not much Jal in this episode, uh, but mm. she's one of my favourite characters. She's so specific and quite weird, uh, and the, the characters I like best in Skins are the ones that are so specific and quite weird. Mm. Um, we also, in this scene, we meet Sid, um, who is who is probably the main character in this mm-hmm. episode, and and I would argue the main character of Generation One of Skins. I just love Sid, even though he's quite horrible. I think it, with Sid as well, he's probably the most. He's probably the closest to actual teenagers that I knew yes. at the time. Um, and I think Mike Bailey gives a really sort of grounded performance, like in comparison to some of the like the, you know, the, the more larger than life characters mm-hmm. that we meet in Skins. Um, I think Sid is relatively kind of restrained and, and that kind of makes him the a good main character for it, I suppose. I would agree. In this scene, though, he's... <laughs> Talking to his dick, which who he calls Mr. Happy. He's reading a, a, a porn magazine, which just seems very quaint now, but it's called Asian Fanny Fun. That's not the quaint part, obviously. Mm-hmm. It's the um, the fact that he's reading a magazine, a porn, which just yeah. feels like, like something from Victorian times. And his room, like, proper looks like it would stink. I think Sid's room and a, and a, a set that we're going to be in later in the episode are two... Um, really good bits of yeah, set, set decorations. Yeah. Well, it's interesting because we see, like, at this point in the episode, we've seen in Tony's room, um, Sid's room, and Effie's bedroom as well. Um, and Tony's uh, the, the the one note that I had was he had a a blow up poster um, in his room, and he's got kind of classic film posters in his room. What's blow up? Um, it's film from the sixties. Um, Effie's room is like quite traditionally teenage girlish and the uh, and sidrum yeah like you say just is an absolute state <laughs> uh, also in this scene we get uh, introduced to well we get introduced to lots of characters um and I think this scene is very economical. Um, so it's 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 having to do a lot. You've got to be economical when you're introducing characters, um, especially in an ensemble, an ensemble as big as the one in Skins. But this this whole scene is economical to a fault, I think, because it kind of boils the characters down to the sum of their parts. Um, and I put in my notes that like we meet Maxi, Anwar, Sid, and Jal in this bit, um, and Maxi is gay. Anwar's a Muslim, Sid is a virgin, and Jal plays the clarinet for some reason. I think the worst bit for me in this this whole scene is Maxi, uh, who is uh, the gay character. And in 2007, that did feel kind of unique, that he was gay and, and out and unashamedly gay with his friends. 
Um, but in this scene, he is tap dancing. He is tap. He's not only tap dancing. He is tap dancing, wearing an absolutely spectacular <laughs> indigo flat cap with sort of weird glitter, silver glitter trails on it. Do you know who I? In my head, I sort of have conflated him with Ryan from High School Musical and then um, the guy who played Maxi went on to be in that show that's like Britain. Uh, oh Br- it's Britannia High. Britannia High, High yeah, which yeah. is like the British High School Musical. I think he was a dancer rather than an actor and I <laughs> say that with a wink. Um, He's God a very talented him. dancer. He's a very talented dancer. Um, so we move on from that scene introducing all these characters to this scene in a cafe where um, Tony and Sid are talking uh, and they're kind of setting up the idea. Tony says that they have plans for Sid's cock um, and the whole thing is about Sid losing his virginity. Um, so they're going to go to a party, they're going to get a girl spliffed up Yikes. Uh, so that Sid can have sex with her, which just is one of those things which you know, hasn't aged well, but also was problematic at the time. Yeah, yeah, kind of weird and gross. One of the things I kind of thought about this scene was like, why are Tony and Sid friends? And why does he care about Sid losing his virginity? Yeah, no, I I completely get this dynamic because it's about Tony's control over Sid. And going back to what you were saying about Tony being a a sociopath, obviously, like, Tony is the sort of or sees himself as the kind of alpha male, the one that's got it all and has, you know, a beautiful girlfriend and um, just charms everybody. And and he's deliberately kind of playing with Sid, like he's kind of saying, you know, I can sort you out. I can, you know, we're, we're going to, it's, it's control. It's mm. him being like, it's about him having the upper hand. So in this scene, Tony and Sid are talking about Sid losing his virginity and Sid sort of mistakenly thinks that Tony is offering for Sid to have sex with Michelle, who is Tony's girlfriend, uh, which is not the case. Uh, Michelle is going to set Sid up with one of her friends. One of the things I do really like about this scene is when Michelle turns up, Tony and Michelle like properly go for it, like necking on in this sort of greasy spoon cafe um which just feels like peak straight culture um and it's quite weird but i just like it it feels like something that teenagers do without kind of realizing it even Mm -hmm. and it goes with kind of tony's like weird intensity and like kind of making a public display Mm. do you know what i mean like it's it's quite performative yes um and i think that's kind of a hallmark of his character I think we'll we'll talk more about Michelle as the series goes on because she's there's not that much of her in this episode, but I do think they're a quite an unusual match as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not quite sure what she sees in Tony, but perhaps we'll find that out later on. Uh, so following this, Tony goes for an audition uh, for the chamber choir at an all girls school, um, and he is quite a good singer. I, I didn't. I meant to check this out to see whether that was actually Nicholas Holt singing, um, but he is quite a good singer. Whoever did that voice? I think it is him. So he's singing <clears throat> on the on the street where you live, um, and he's auditioning, as you say, for the the chamber choir at this all girls school, where he is clocked um, by one girl in particular who's eyeing him up. Uh, and this is Abigail. Abigail. Um, I love this character. This is so stupid and so skins. Abigail's this posh private school girl who talks about my friends. 
uh, and says things are so safe, uh, which just feels like quintessentially... So safe, yeah. So so safe, yeah. And her heist. At the end of the scene, this... this I kind of put this in my notes to ask you. Um, but at the end of this scene... Tony um, is being sort of chased out of the... Uh, so he gets the part in the chamber choir, but he's being chased out of this posh school by one of the teachers, a male teacher. And Tony tells the teacher that he goes to Roundview College and that they have a French teacher there who they call Pierre. And he sort of presents it as a zing, but I didn't really know why. I can't remember, but I think earlier in the scene, like the, the teacher from the girls' school kind of says something like, oh, you call me, address me as sir or something like that. Ah, okay. So I think like Tony's saying, well, at the college, we call teachers on first name terms. And I it's kind see. of like a bit of a... More control from yeah. Tony. So while Tony is in his audition, Sid is on the bus going to visit a drug dealer called Mad Twitter because he's been told he needs to buy some drugs for this party that he and Tony are going to. Mm-hmm. Um, so that they can get this girl spliffed up. While Tony, while Sid is on the bus, he's looking at pictures of Michelle on his phone and his phone is perfect, like this amazing... Uh, another amazing Motorola moment from Skins. Uh, these kind of blurry JPEGs. Yeah, but the thing is as well is that I think the implication is that they're sort of like stealth photographs that Sid's taken of Michelle, yeah. which is again, yikes. Um, yes. a, a little bit creepy. It is, and so it, it adds to this sort of sense that Sid admires Michelle from afar, but is, uh, but yeah, that's a little bit of a stalker moment from Sid there. There's quite a lot of that goes on in Skins. We'll yeah. see as as the series progresses. So Sid goes to the, the house of this drug dealer, Mad Twatter, Madison Twatter. PhD. Um, PhD. Um, and the note that I had here is that Mad Twatter actually lives on quite a nice estate. Well, yeah, this is, um, it's, it's kind of cut together with, Tony singing on the street where you live. Ah. Cut to a lovely scene of Sid on this like quite nice suburban cul-de-sac. Yeah. Um, it kind of shows you how much you've grown when you, you realise that you quite like the nice suburban cul-de-sac. <laughs> so Mad Twitter also runs a brothel um, with a sex worker who comes to the door who is apparently happy to shag a 16-year-old who very much looks like a 16-year-old. Mm-hmm. Um, I couldn't find the name of this actor who plays the sex worker, but I think she's brilliant. She's, like, great value for money. She does a lot with quite a few lines and gets a lot of mileage out of some stupid jokes. That's true. She also sings Stick With You. So she does. So <laughs> she does. Who sang Stick With You? Uh, Pussycat Dolls. Pussycat Dolls. So she's uh, getting ready to do a scene where she walks in on somebody having a threesome, uh, and kind of as she's going up the stairs, shouts, I've accidentally come home early by accident. Uh, she's brilliant. I really like her. After that, we get the one of my favourite scenes in this episode, and it's really small. Um, but it's this scene of Jal, Tony, Chris, Maxie and Anwar on the green outside the college. Mm-hmm. And they're kind of smoking and chatting. And it just feels like so being 16. Yeah. Like this is... The sort of stuff that I remember doing with my friends, that kind of... Well, you can't really do anything else. Um, Mm -hmm. And this 
scene also has one of our outfits of the week, which is Chris's kind of new rave outfit. Do you yeah. want to describe what Chris it's, is wearing? Uh, it's, it's quite something. He's wearing uh, the, the specific kind of scarf, which was referred to at the time as a seamster beard. So a seamster beard. beard? I forgot about that. Um, yeah, so it's uh, the, the kind of red and, and, and white checked scarf um he's wearing a yellow jacket um some lovely orange long shorts with a chain um and a clashing green t-shirt and hat combo in different shades i love it it's it's really quite something what i really like about chris is i think at any other time he would have been kind of like a goth or like a metaler boy But there's something so specific about 2007 that he had to be this... Yeah, he's kind of new rave. Mad, sort of day-glow, new Claxon, rave guy. Sort of. I, I think as well, I, I mentioned Mike Bailey's performance as, Chris, uh, as Sid before, but I think um, Joe Dempsey as Chris is also a really fantastic kind of naturalistic... Um, actor and really has that endearing quality to him like Maybe. usually I kind of hate the character that's like the class clown and is the zany guy but I think that Chris has a real like even in those kind of brief introductory scenes he has this kind of real vulnerability and kind of sweetness to him yes as well he's one of my favorite characters but I'm sure we will talk about him more as things progress just before Tony gets to the lawn though there's uh, I, I, there is a joke that I'm not so fond of as well. I, I'm not sure if you picked it up, but he walks past a big issue seller and like there's a kind of exchange about, oh, how was your holiday? Um, oh, yeah, I, I don't like staying in four-star hotels and da, 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 and it's a bit like... This whole bit is very weird, but also, like, I used to work in a shop. The guys who sold big issues used to come in, and they used to give us their change, so we'd get change, and we'd give them, like, a £20 note or Mm -hmm. whatever. One of the guys that used to come in was like this guy. Like, he didn't... He was homeless, obviously, but he used to go on holiday all the time, like, um, like, sort of... Not to Ibiza and Magaluf and stuff like that, but he used to go away all the time, like abroad, um, which I think is quite remarkable. Um, So, you know, there may be some truth in that character, even if some of that seems a bit weird now. Going back to the lawn scene... um... There's a there's kind of an exchange where uh, Tony quotes Dawson's Creek and like Jal is the only one who picks up that that's what he's referring to and Chris is like I don't watch TV, you know, don't understand. This is reference. that actually from Dawson's Creek? We'll, we'll research that. We'll do some research for the next time. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's also one of my <laughs> one of my favorite. So the whole point of this scene is. Um, Tony's trying to convince these guys to to come to this party, and but they've all got excuses. Jal's got clarinet practice, or something. <laughs> because Jal's only character trait at this point is <laughs> she plays the clarinet, and she's a bit sort of, <laughs> and she knows Dawson's Creek, and she likes Dawson's Creek. Um, so, uh, so Chris, Maxie, and Anwar had already made arrangements because Max, uh, Maxie was taking them out for a, a big gay night out, as he reminds <laughs> us in like this really um, clearly ADR line that like kind of just comes out of the blue during the uh, yes, long scene. I did notice that it was... um, so, uh, so yeah, so nobody can really come to to the party. So Tony quickly gets on the on the blower to to give Sid a voicemail to let him know. Don't bother with the drugs. It's a no-go. But alas, it's too late because 
Sid is at Mad Twitter's house uh, and Mad Twitter himself arrives home uh, and introduces himself as Mad Twitter PhD, uh, which stands for Pretty Huge Dick. Uh, and I put in my notes that that was awful. Awful. Um, this, character actor, uh, this character actor is so weird and I... I can't remember if he comes back again or if there's just another couple of characters that are very similar uh, mm. in Skins. But I think he does maybe come back again. But um, but yeah, I think I think actually this actor kind of worked for this. Oh, scene, I think he's for great. This exchange, yeah, I think he's great. I just I, I liked his vibe and his mm. energy, and I, I I didn't recognize him. One of the things I I kind of noticed in this scene it's it's my other set that I really like. Um, but there's like paintings on the wall of naked women uh, and they're all just perfect like they're so horrible and shit one of them is a woman with a panther and two tigers and a parrot with volcanoes in the background mm-hmm. and then um mad twatter gives sid these drugs sid wants an ounce of weed but mad twatter gives him three ounces of weed and says he has to sell them at the party mm-hmm. um and when he's on they're kind of sitting on the sofa and Mad Twitter is threatening to cut Sid's balls off if he doesn't bring back mm-hmm. this £300. Um, and when they're on the sofa, the sofa and the cushions have got plastic on them, which I just think is like the most, the best touch I've seen in anything in a long while. Imagine if Mad Twitter was played by Joan Crawford. Like that would <laughs> <laughs> I feel like you should have been. <laughs> So following this scene, we go to the psychology class where they have psychology with a teacher called Angie, uh, sweet Angie. Uh, And Jal is talking about loss uh, and Angie's crying because her boyfriend has just split up with her. I love Angie as a character. We'll see a lot more of her as the series progresses. Uh, One of my favourite things about her is her amazing hair. Mm Mm-hmm. She's got this very specific fringe that never goes out of fashion. And I think every woman in her 30s who works in a college has got that hair. She's, it's, it's a very specific look. I think um, Shuan Morris, who, who plays Angie, she like, I think she really elevates the series as well as like one of the kind of adult characters that they kind of keep coming back to. One of the only sympathetic adult characters, I would say. And I think tonally, she just gets it like kind of over the top hysterical crying and stuff in the mm-hmm. uh, in the classroom. But there's a, a real sort of kind of dynamic way that she kind of interacts with the kids as well. The so, kids. Yeah, the, kid, the kids these <laughs> days. Following this, Sid puts his phone on and gets all of the message the messages that Tony had been leaving him while he was at Mad Twitter's house saying, don't get the drugs. And I had this kind of Pavlovian response to Sid's phone going off, like <laughs> that sort of beep noise um, as he gets all these messages. Oh, I had a note about that as well, because when he puts his phone on, it, it the, the phone makes that kind of activation, which is... Oh, dun, yeah. dun, 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 dun which is the same, you know, or very similar to the notes that are used in the kind of little glockenspiel coda at the end of the opening theme. Not convinced by that. That was the Motorola startup sound. Well, I know, but, I, but not I think the skins theme. I think the <laughs> skins theme kind of consciously kind of. She's reaching your honor. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> um, we also get Chris coming on to Angie after this. Uh, Chris phones Angie's boyfriend for her and kind of shouts at him and tells him not to 
kind of pester her again. And he's just so pure and good, and I love him. I uh, wouldn't really call him pure and good in this instance, but uh, given that he's having an in- entirely inappropriate <laughs> exchange with his sports science teacher as well, who's the who is the 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 ex boyfriend no, in question, and is being like a bit out of line with an obviously upset Angie. But who, he's also 16. Like, he's 16. the child in this situation. Oh, yeah, I know. It's Angie's responsibility as the adult to say, no, Chris, that's inappropriate. Um, so I maintain that Chris is pure and good. Fair enough. It's his sweetness coming through. And you get a good view of his hideous outfit in this You scene. do, you get a really good view of the whole hideous ensemble. So we get to the next scene and the reason that character from before was called Abigail, because this is Abigail's, Abigail's party. party. Brilliant. Um, where we're introduced to Cassie. It feels like it takes a long time to get to Cassie, even though she was like such a massive part of Skins. Mm. Like this is towards the end of the episode or definitely the middle of the episode and Cassie turns up this is my outfit of the week Cassie in her gold dress and blazer combo with this specific hair Mm -hmm. is so perfect for this specific girl Mm -hmm. because I feel like that outfit that girl would wear that now like that's that's timeless Mm -hmm. that kind of weird sort of drippy girl who is into vintage clothes and stuff Mm. like that and she's got the little um flower hair clipping and stuff i just love her i think with with cassie it is over the top like she is a completely ott ophelia waif yeah wow amazing i love that ethereal character but i think again i knew girls like that Mm. at the time like maybe there are a few too many wows and amazings in the dialogue. No, but she, I think that's but... just the exact right. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's perfect. I think she's brilliant. I think, you know, Skins exists in this quite heightened yeah. world um, and and she's quite a heightened character. But I think there's a charisma to that portrayal. Mm-hmm. And I think she's there's like a truth at the centre of it. Mm-hmm. Um, I got so excited that I dropped my pen that I was waving around. So... Following this, we'll talk a bit more about Cassie later, mm-hmm. I think. So following this, Abigail introduces us to her friends. Her friends? Um, Sarah, Josh, Sarah, Maddie, Felicia, Hugo, Sebastian, Sarah, Sam and Sarah, which is so stupid, so good, so skins. And we get the very first skins party, um, which become a sort of trademark of the series, mm-hmm. um, or kind of one of the things Skins was known for. Uh, we've got MC Hugo on the decks, mm-hmm. um, all these posh white kids, um, all these boys in sort of the posh boy shirts, dancing to Drop Your Thing by the game is absolutely perfect. Oh my God. Um, also in this scene, we're introduced to a character called Danuta, who's like a random Italian girl. Oh no, she's Polish. She, no, she's Polish because... Oh, she's Polish. Yeah, because... Because uh, Abigail, uh, like Abigail, asks Sid's name. He says, "I'm Sid," and she says, "Oh, is that Polish?" And um, Sid's like, "No." Then Abigail introduces, "Oh, she's Polish. Danuta's Polish, but she speaks Italian. But she speaks. It's not Polish. (laughs) (laughs) No, she she says like he's talked to her in Italian. She speaks Italian. All right. Um, So Danuta, this random Polish girl, um, who tells Sid that he has a tiny cock in Italian, which is also." 
very skins. After that, we get this really nice little scene of Sid and Cassie in the kitchen together. Cassie, as we kind of later find out, has an eating disorder. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's in the kitchen organising all the food. And it's just a really nice scene and really... Yeah charming and she's so vulnerable with him and I think he doesn't have anybody who is real in his life or there's clearly nobody on this wavelength in Sid's life and I think he reacts to it in a really nice way yeah and I think kind of going back to you know with Tony being the viewpoint character Tony and Michelle between the two of them both kind of throw Cassie at Sid they yeah. kind of say oh Cassie will sleep with anybody or she's a good shag da, 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 da. and it's like again it kind of reflects poorly on their characters and it sort of shows how Cassie is in a way she's passive and she's kind of just being manipulated by um, by the people around her as mm. well which is quite sad to see going back to, to Tony and Michelle they've arrived at the party in what I noted were kind of almost coordinating outfits they're both wearing like they're both wearing black and white stripes but Michelle's dress is like they're on a kind of diagonal slant whereas Tony's is kind of like horizontal but they've both got kind of red accessories on oh wow so it kind of but it it, it's like they're they're making an effort to look like they're two of a pair but something is just a little bit off because very deep that's very deep I like it I'm telling you 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 saw things that I don't even know if they were meant to be there. <laughs> Come on, English degree. <laughs> so while everyone is at the party, Chris, Maxi, and Anwar have gone for their big gay night out. And it's at this kind of awful gay bar and there's like three guys there dancing to... Hey, Lisa Stansfield's all around the world. There we go. Um, I've been to this night. As have I. I've been Maxi in this situation as well, like dragging people. Oh, we're going to go to a gay bar and have a big gay night out. Let me think of um, the Rusty Nail and Ayrshire. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> yeah, like a big gay night out, but there's only three gay people in your town. Mm. I've been I've been Maxie in that scene, but I've probably also been the men dancing to Lisa Stanfield. True. So that big gay night out is a big gay washout. Uh, mm-hmm. So they all split to go to Abigail's party. Um, and I love this moment where Chris... Uh, arrives and immediately nicks a load of phones that have been left charging on the table. Mm. Just because I love Chris, he's so pure and good. Although, when they arrive, he... I don't know where how they got there but Chris's shoes are covered in like either mud or dog shit oh yeah because he traipses them all over the carpet all over and um, Abigail is raging Abigail's carpet which has been imported from Iran just brilliant so yeah he gets muck all over the carpet and then they get kicked out but not before Chris takes his top off Danuta takes her top off and they sort of fall in love with each other momentarily I love Danuta and I love Chris. There you go. One episode wonder Danuta. <laughs> yeah, she like where did she go? Like I would have loved I put in my notes that I wanted Danuta to come back. Why was she not always in it? She's brill. Well let's put a pin in that because we'll <laughs> come back to her. Yeah, we will, we will. Um also while this is happening, Sid and Cassie have another scene together. Yeah, um, which is introduced by you hear you, you know, the shot is of a hedge and you hear Very springs, springs noisily bouncing and, and uh, Cassie kind of 
breathily wowing. Um, but it turns out they're on a trampoline. There's no hanky-panky. Trampolines had a big moment in 2007. Like, that is a very normal thing to have in your garden at that point in time, I think. <laughs> um, it was a big year for trampolines. So they're in the garden. Cassie's on the trampoline. And she she tells Sid that she knows he fancies Michelle. <gasps> And she also drops that uh, Michelle knows Tony doesn't love her, um, which I think is very intuitive of Michelle uh, and further proof that Tony is a sociopath. And during this scene, Cassie reveals that she's taken lots of pills. I'm not sure where she got them from or when. And she passes out, passes out, passes out on the trampoline. What I, I kind of like about this scene is I think this is one of the things where maybe some of the stuff is quite clumsy. But Skins was doing mental health before mm-hmm. anyone was doing mental health, and certainly any kind of programming for young people was doing mental health. Uh, and and Cassie's eating disorder is is really tied up with her mental health. Yeah. Um, she's kind of receiving treatment for it and some of it's good and some of it's not you know some of this might be clumsy but but mental health is really part of these kids lives in a real way and Mm -hmm. it's it's not it it never feels like a very special episode or or it very rarely feels like like a very special episode it just feels like part of their lives and part of their stories yeah in hindsight it must have been a really difficult balancing act kind of writing wise when you're you know when you're painting this world in very broad strokes and you're getting the kind of comedy and the you know the 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 light-heartedness of it all but also not just paying lip service to mental health stuff but but like you say like making it really integral to the the lives of these characters and to the way that they interact and obviously you get a, a bit of a taste of that with with Cassie in this episode but it really comes to bear throughout the rest of the of the series and that's what really got me into skins that was that was really the kind of selling point there absolutely so speaking of balancing acts following cassie's passing out they rush out of abigail's house they steal a car and they're tearing through the streets with everybody in the back of the car including chris and danuta who are both topless and making out to get cassie to the hospital Um, And it just is perfect. It's so silly, this scene. And when they arrive at the hospital, Cassie wakes up. Like, I don't quite know what's happened there. But the episode's nearly finished, so she wakes up. We can't be dithering with going to (laughs) A&E. So as they're going back home, they park by a river so that Anwar can get out and have a piss. Yeah, it's a river, a canal. or Yeah, yeah, I I think a canal, actually. The canal's in Bristol. Um, so yeah, so Anwar's peeing, um, he has a bit of a shy bladder, he's asking them not to look at him, look away, um, and when they're in the car, they're rifling around, Sid's looking for skins, which are in the back of Tony's pocket. Dropping the title of the series in the first episode. Skins. And uh, yes, yeah, so as Sid's reaching for the skins in Tony's back pocket, he knocks the handbrake and what do you know? The car falls in the river. Again, it's so stupid, so skins, so good. I absolutely love it. It's it's so good, like it's so daft and so big and audacious that you can't help but like it, or I can't help but like it anyway. My favourite lines from this episode come after they've gone into the river and they all kind of pop up at the surface, where Sid says, the dope's gone, so he's lost all of Mad Twitter's dope. Uh, and Cassie just sort of comes about of the water and says, at least we've got our health. 
Um, <laughs> and I love her. She's so lovely. We end the episode where we began with Tony in bed in his iconic uh, naked man, naked woman bedspread. But this time he's with Sid. And I really think this scene is so lovely. So we've come completely full circle and Sid is still a virgin and Tony is still a sociopath. And interestingly as well, at the start of the episode, Tony was kind of in between the figures of the man and the woman. Oh, here we go, English Uh, degree. (laughs) I'm just saying that... so in this last scene, Tony is kind of lined up with the with the male figure, and then Sid's head is popping over the the woman's ah. body. Um, so Sid's the bottom in this relationship. Is that what you're saying? Uh, Not uh, all women are bottoms. That's problematic. Yes. Uh, I've had too much dark fruit, WKD. Anyway, moving on to my final question of this episode uh, and Tony's is where did Chris and Danuta go? They got out of the car at the hospital. I didn't notice that. But um, but yeah, we... Oh, that's boring. I wanted the, I wanted it to be a, my- a mystery until next week for okay. us and for the gentle listeners of this podcast. But you've ruined it. Sounds... Do you like this episode? Do you know, I don't particularly like this episode. Episode, but I think in a way it was an effective opening statement for what Skins is. It's not, it obviously it says nowhere near the heights that the series reaches, um, but it's not terrible either. It's a kind of middling-ish episode that sets up what the series is and kind of points towards how it is different. And um, I remember at the time of airing, um, there was a segment on Charlie Brooker's screen wipe where one of the talking heads, I can't remember who it was, Stuart but it was, Lee. It was Stuart Lee, yeah, was talking about how he couldn't relate, like he'd seen this first episode and he said he couldn't really relate to the teenagers as portrayed in, in this series. And going on the basis of this first episode in isolation, I can kind of see why. But there wasn't enough of interest to me from that first episode and again it was the stuff like Cassie that you know and there were some kind of interesting characters and bits and pieces that made me want to continue watching the series and I'm I'm glad I did. Me too Um, I really like this episode I I do think it's interesting because Skins is one of my favourite series, as I said before, and I do talk about it a lot as one of the things that sort of brought me to writing and to writing for telly, but it's not one of my favourite pilots. But when I've gone, when I've gone back this time and watched it again, you do see the the kind of bones of the series and and a lot of the DNA of the series is in this episode, and I I, I do think it's a really good bit of telly and a really compelling and enjoyable bit of telly even the bits that are sort of hard to watch or problematic Mm. so thank you for joining us for this very 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 first episode of reskinned do you have anything else you would like to add not really i'm looking forward to next uh next episode which is going to be focused on the character of cassie so where can people find us on the internet if you want to send us an email we're reskinnedpod at gmail.com and we're also on twitter at reskinnedpod so feel free to get in touch with your outfit of the week favourite moments from the episode slide into our DMs with a proposal and we shall see you next week bye Bye. yup hey Maxie we need your time sorry bro big gay night out you know me and the lads the lads yeah gonna take them on a voyage of wonder and discovery fuck that look Max for Christ's sake 
Maxie, can you stop fucking tap dancing? I can't hear myself think. Sorry, Tony. Gotta get these moves, you know, for the show. Do they have tap dancing and death of a salesman? They need a number. I've always said that. Anyway, meet me on the green before psychology, yeah? Gotcha.